You're listening to episode 76 of the Writing Life podcast from the National Centre for Writing. Every week we tell stories about writers and discuss writing techniques. It's Wednesday, 22nd of January 2020 here at the studio in Dragon Hall as we're recording. I'm Simon Jones, Digital Marketing Manager here at the Centre and I'm joined today by Steph McKenna. Hello, I'm Communications Manager. So today we have part two of our interview with Julia Crouch. Last week she was talking about her career and the path she took to becoming a writer. And this week we have this amazing whistle-stop tour of how to write crime fiction. So Julia wrote a post for us which went up on the website a couple of years ago now, Mm, I think. It was quite a while ago. Which was her six top tips for writing crime fiction. And it's become an extremely popular post and is one of Google's like main results for people who are just asking, how do I write a crime fiction When someone searches how to write a good crime fiction novel, Julia's name comes up. Yes, which is obviously exactly what we want. But we thought, because we had Julia here for the podcast, that doing an audio version of this blog post where she goes through each of these tips and expands on it a bit would be worthwhile. Excellent. So Steph, before we get into that, what are you working on at the moment? We've got a few exciting things sort of coming up, actually. So I'm currently uh, working on promoting the Young Norfolk Writing Competition, which is our annual talent competition for young people who live in Norfolk. It's now open for entries and the closing date is 5pm on Monday the 25th of May. So there's plenty of time. In the past few years, we've had almost a thousand young people enter this competition with with stories, essays, poetry, spoken word, even graphic novels. So if you are a young person or you know a young person who's living in the area and would like to enter, we very much encourage you to do so. We love receiving your entries and there's tons of cool opportunities to win. Mentoring opportunities, uh, opportunities to be published some prizes Uh, so that's great it's very exciting I'm also working on two events that we've recently announced in partnership with the book hive which are very sort of to my taste let's put it like that we've got Ema McBride coming next month to Dragon Hall to launch her third novel Strange Hotel which I've already had the pleasure of reading sneaky sneaky proof copy in the (laughs) office so Ema will be with us in early February Uh, it's only five pounds for a ticket to see her which is pretty good value uh, and you get a drink as well you get a glass of wine she'll be launching her novel and this will be the first launch event for that book so if you come along you'll be able to experience it before anyone else that's quite exciting it's very exciting and then we also have the fabulous Jenny Offal coming from New York actually over to the UK for a really limited number of dates in March and on the 19th of March she will be in Norwich at the Octagon Chapel with us in the book hive launching her third novel as well called Weather which I haven't read yet, but I've been assured is excellent. And lots of writers are singing her praises as well. Max Porter loves her, um, Ocean Young. Uh, yeah, just a really, it's just very exciting to have her over. It's quite a rare opportunity, I think. So, yeah. And the Oxcon is a really quirky, interesting little venue it's as well. It's a gorgeous venue. So um, I think it's just the right place to host her, really. So if you're interested in kind of two of the biggest names in literary fiction at the moment to very experimental writers who write about very interesting things I would recommend both of those events and they are both a fiver very nice and finally I'm currently working on the brochure copy for our City of Literature programme at Norfolk and Norwich Festival in May can't give away any details yet it's a bit of a secret uh, but we've got some very exciting events and workshops coming up with some 
you have really talented names, some interesting, immersive uh, sort of experience-based events as well, something a little bit different for the literature crowd. Um, and I think they're being announced in, the event's being announced in February, so not too much longer to go. Excellent. We should probably get Peggy back on the show to... We definitely should. ...examine what's on there. Yeah, she's very good at uh, giving her thought process behind these events. And this time it's been very much about looking at art and how art can help us to navigate quite turbulent social times. Mm. Peggy also has a capacity for endless enthusiasm. She, she's the most enthusiastic person I know. So if you're not quite sure about the events, have a listen to her because you will be completely charmed and you'll want to go to everything. <laughs> uh, I'm working on some new online courses at the mm. moment, which are also going to appear at some point in February. So we already have our creative writing online courses, but we're expanding our catalogue a little bit to some new subjects. And it's going to be very exciting, I think. It's going to give more options to a wider range of writers. Mm, absolutely. And that's kind of top secret at the moment as well, isn't it? In yes, terms of what yeah. we'll be doing. But I've had a sneak peek and uh, it's one of the most exciting things we've done for a long time. So Yes, yeah. and hopefully the start of something which will keep running for a long while. Okay, so let's head over to the interview with Julia. This is part two. If you missed part one, do check out the previous episode of the podcast. And here's Julia with her six top tips for writing crime fiction. Um, so yeah, talking of uh, helping other writers, a couple of years ago, you wrote a blog post yeah. for us where yeah. you had six tips yes. for writing crime fiction. Yes which since then has been an extremely popular page on the website. So That's very gratifying to hear. <laughs> lots of people wanting to know how to write crime fiction. Um, and I thought we could do like a mini audio version yep. of that blog yep. post. So uh, we'll go from the top, yeah. which was tip number one was fill it all with conflict. Yes. Well, um, the, 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 the basis of all drama is conflict. That's Aristotle. He kind of cottoned onto that quite a while ago. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, and no arena is conflict more central than the crime novel. Um, and a, a crime novel without conflict is, is, isn't, isn't a crime novel. Um, and the idea that you send your characters out through the story um, and you make things harder and harder for them, so you give them bigger battles. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have gunmen chasing them. Conflict isn't just about that. It's about, it can be about small things, about trying to get your shoe on, you know, or or, um, or uh, anger at some busker that's outside your window shoutings and swearing, or, um, or just the way your husband raises his eyebrow when he says good morning. You know, the, 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 these, are, these are kind of moments, they, so, so the point is that conflict can be very, very small, or it can be very, very large, but everything makes the world, the, the, the journey of your character to your protagonist to meet their goal harder. Mm -hmm. So you just throw things in their way. Never make it easy for your characters. Yeah, I think for new writers in particular, recognising that conflict can be small. Yes. That those little frictions can yes. be just as useful. Yes. Um, and it doesn't always have to be big bombastic. Absolutely. Stuff. And, you know, conflict between character and environment too, you know, that this kind of, you might see that it as a, a kind of, backdrop stage setting but in fact it has you know that can, it can actually so add to your narrative by having your characters so it's for example a scene played in a very hot environment where everyone can barely open their eyes because the sweat streaming down across their faces can really really um 
point the action help the plot and and as a side note i don't think that's one of my points but every 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 detail in your plot every detail in your novel has to kind of add to a greater understanding of your narrative otherwise it goes yes which does actually bring oh, to the next cut one the maybe. Waffle. cut yeah. the waffle cut the waffle yes well i think first drafts are often full of waffle and i think you have to when you read your first draft you have to really have your waffleometer <laughs> <laughs> um, because, because I think first drafts uh, for all writers, but particularly those, you know, there are the two types of writers. It's the nano thing again, the plotters and the pantsers, and the pantsers make it up as they go along, and the plotters have it all worked out what's going to happen beforehand. But it, whatever type of writer you are, when you get to the actual writing, you will be doing some exploration through your writing. So you'll be kind of possibly describing characters, um, describing environments, uh, getting them do things that that all of this, when on the second reading, you realise it's completely irrelevant to your plot. But it's never time wasted because it's, as, as with all research, it, uh, view it as research, it's really, really useful because it's actually helping you embody this kind of world story world that you're creating to understand it fully and then you realize what brush strokes you actually need in order to convey it to the reader yeah and you might not necessarily know what those are if you hadn't written the waffle Absolutely. in the first place there's one for dr seuss saying where to find a to find a certain something is to find out where it's not <laughs> so you it's a process of uh, calculatus eliminatus Excellent. So uh, number three is avoid the Deus Ex Machina. Oh yes. So so today I was doing a talk with Aaron Kelly and Lisa Jewell, and and our theme was twists. And and what we didn't actually uh, specifically uh, touch on was the Deus Ex Machina, which is again I, another kind of. Uh, uh, phrase from 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 greek uh, dramatic theory um deus ex machina actually means machine of the gods which is something that's brought from above and planted into into the story world and affects the story world so the greeks the greek uh, dramatists could get away with that because the the gods were living breathing parts of their culture they completely believed in them and the story world's kind of they are there they are they are as big a players as the the real people um you know the, the gods actually took human form and 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 came and moved among, among the people um that's what they believed that's not a fact <laughs> I just realised I've, I've, I've spoken about it like it was a fact. That's what they believed. Who knows, though? It might have been a fact. Um, so, so, so Deus Ex Machina in the Greek dramatic world is totally acceptable because of the culture. For us, in our secular world, it is so not acceptable. Um, every, everything that happens in a novel has to be the result I'm sounding really prescriptive here, but it is true. Has to be the result of what characters think, do, and/or say. So it has to be. Um, there has to be a causality. If there, if if there isn't a, a causality within the the logic of the, your story for something happening, then the reader will 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 actually hate hate that moment, and you may have lost them for the entire novel. So everything has to rise out of everything. Um, there, there are po- possible, um, there are possible exceptions to that. 
sudden deaths are quite interesting. Mm. Um, people suddenly being killed um, in the middle of or in in the course of a narrative. And there, are two, I you see, I don't want to really talk about this because there are two novels I can think of right now where that happens, and they happen towards the end, and they work. In these two novels, because by that point you were so invested in the characters that it is almost as if it's happened to you. In one, I'm still grieving actually for, for one of those characters, and I can't say what the books are, which is terrible, isn't it? Because it would spoil, and one of them is an exceptionally long book too, it would spoil the exceptionally long reading of the book. I'll tell you later if you want mm-hmm. to know, yep. um, but it would spoil it, so I'm not going to say that. But, but, but th- th- those are possibly, but, but those things happen in life, but it doesn't mean because it happens in life, you can it can happen in your story. Same goes for coincidence, coincidences happen in life. If you put them in a story, reader won't buy it. Really try and avoid coincidences, unless somehow there's a kind of integral plot point for the coincidence. Because or the same, you know, in the same way, characters with the people with the same name exist in real life, but you wouldn't put people <laughs> with the same name in a novel, yeah. unless you're a fool. Yes. So on the panel earlier, you were talking about plot twists. Yeah. And presumably, there's always a risk that a plot twist can fall into the yes. Deus Ex Machina yeah, ca- yeah, category. Yeah, yeah, and I would say that's a bad plot twist yeah. because as we were saying in the panel, um, there are twists, there are kind of thriller twists which, which are plot developments which arise out of the interaction between the characters um, in the, and, and their environment and the plot. And then there are twists which are imposed structurally. And, for us, and the first type which is exemplified by Lisa's work, Lisa Jewell's work, um, work really organically and, and you never feel as a reader that you're being shortchanged. The second type, which is more what my novels do and to an extent Aaron's, some of Aaron's big twisty novels do, um, they, if they're done badly, which I like to say that Aaron and I don't do them badly, um, they can feel, feel like... Um, Deus Ex Machina, they're kind of things that just kind of come out of nowhere um, and completely turn the story around. And, and this turning the story around was the aim, but that it hasn't it hasn't been something that from the be- so 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 a really good a way a, a, a structural twist works really well is if after reading it the reader thinks nothing else but that could have happened, mm-hmm. and also I didn't see that coming. Yeah. And it completely changes the story. That's a really that's that's the perfect structural twist. <laughs> but there are very few of those around. I think there's a lot of lot of other ones which kind of don't really stand up to much examination. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to have the sense that the author's in the background going, "Yeah, I got you." Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You don't want <laughs> you don't want to have the sense of the author at all. No. You want to have the it happen entirely within the story world and to the characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So tip number where are we four is that your characters don't have to be likable. Yes. So so um I think one of the one of the greatest characters, um I can't even remember his name, um, but I have read in, in, in recent years is uh, Sabine, in Sabine the narrator of Sabine Durrant's marvellous novel Lie With Me. And he's one of the most unlikable people you would ever have the misfortune to meet. Um, uh, but he is utterly compelling. So, and the reason he's utterly compelling is that we can see his faults 
and we can kind of root for him. We can we 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 care what happens to him, even though we don't like him. And and that's a real. Uh, that's why I admire that novel so much is that she has pulled that off beautifully. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, so 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 quite a lot, sometimes my novels my novels are, are peopled with characters who aren't who are who are challenging who are challenging. And sometimes, sometimes Amazon reviewers will go, I didn't like anyone in this book. And that's a common criticism that many, many psychological thriller writers find. Um, but I think liking and caring about what happens to people is two different things. Mm-hmm. Because, because of the role they play in, in the novel or because, uh, because you want to perhaps see them become a better person, to learn their lesson. To, 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 to see, see what they're capable of. All of these things are, are really interesting things for readers. And they, they, they are even more interesting, in my view, if they happen to people who aren't particularly nice or likable. Yes. So you mentioned, you know, Amazon reviews and you will, there are some readers who actively don't like books if they don't like the characters. Yes. Like it, it, it can happen that way. So, Despite that, is it? Do you think it's, it's still worth writing whatever characters you want? Yes. Even knowing that there will be some people who just won't get on with it. Yes. Well, I think you know. I think it's very important to listen to readers. Let me just kind of put that one straight down there on the table. But I do think that you can't please all the people all the time, and I think that you also have to be true to yourself as a writer. So you have to kind of yeah. There 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 are three opposing statements there. You have to find your <laughs> dialectical truth out of them. Yeah. Okay, so uh, penultimate tip is very simply read. Yes, absolutely. Um, but very occasionally, as I've taught over the last few years, I've had a student. I've I've been working with had a student been working with a student who said, "Well, I don't read much. Why are you writing if you're not interested in reading?" Uh, what one thing I said earlier was, um, "Write when you write, write the novel you really want to read." And um, if you're not reading, then how do you know what novel that is? I think it's it, it, it's, a, it's a it sounds strong, but there's a spe- there's a special kind of arrogance, really. I think of some of somebody who thinks they can write when they don't actually read. What I just don't understand why. I really don't understand why it's like writing writing television scripts and not re- watching telly or um, or same with movies. Not 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 really understanding your subject. It uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, aside from all the courses and workshops and degrees that you can do around writing, mm. you know, lots of which you teach, but one of the best ways to become a better writer is just to see what other writers are doing. Yes, yes. and, and to, to read, 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 as we say, like a writer. Mm. So actually, some some people say that writing actually spoils their reading <laughs> because it becomes it becomes an analytical exercise and and and. In a sense, it, it certainly enhances it. And, and as Erin said earlier um, in in the panel, that she reads out of genre for for pleasure. She reads literary fiction for pleasure. Crime fiction is about kind of looking at how things work, how things, how how a writer achieves what they're doing, uh, gasping at the skill, going, "Oh, I'll never do that in my book." You know, it's, it's, it's all, there's always an analytical background that goes on. Yeah. yeah. Right, so last tip is to get the reader asking questions. Oh, yes. This one's really, 
really important. Um, it, this came up in a workshop with, with my UEA students this week. And um, you've got to get the reader asking questions, but the right questions. And, um, and it's the difference between, oh, what's happening? And what the hell's happening? <laughs> <laughs> so you've got to go for the first rather than the second. So you have to choose your questions that you, know, you want the reader to be asking. That you, you, um, what's happening? Why is he doing this? Uh, what is going to happen? Um, uh, where are they going? And what you don't want to ask is, how many people are in the room again? And um, what's, 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 what, 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 what's he doing with that weapon? And, um, and, and kind of baffling questions. So, so, so particularly if you're writing a very plotty, convoluted, twisty thriller with lots of characters and plots and subplots and things, what you really have to do is have the reader asking questions about that don't have them asking questions about the physical setup or the character motivation, um, um, the actual events that are actually happening. Because if you if you if if you if you do that, then you 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 you're you're messing up your 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 story world for the reader. Um, there's a good impulse to not over-explain. Beginning writer often, and I did certainly did, did this, would over-explain things, and again, that's kind of going back to cut the waffle. Um, but it's quite easy if you're aware of that as an issue to to do a little bit too much, mm-hmm. so that you're actually then obfuscating by leaving stuff out. Yes, yeah, it's treading that line between uh, exposition and confusion. Yeah, isn't it? And yeah. trying, trying to find the kind of the through line. Yes. It will help people understand, but with just the right amount of information. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Julia. Thank you. Thank you very much. Amazing little mini masterclass there. <laughs> but you want more? <laughs> yeah, no, there's there's lots more uh, in our courses and everything else. Yes, absolutely. Well. Yes. Um, yeah, the courses here are great. And as I say, if I was a beginning writer, I would definitely be signing up to them. Thanks for listening and thanks again to Julia for opening up her brain to us all. If you have any questions or you want to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Writers Centre. We're on Facebook or you can email us info at nationalcentreforwriting.org.uk. Please do subscribe, rate and review the podcast as it helps other people to find it. And if you want to sign up to our newsletter, you can do so at nationalcentreforwriting.org.uk. Thanks again, keep writing and we will catch you on the next episode.